Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous show coming up for you as we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of everything. We've got some college football on the way. We've got some NFL. We're going to be doing a nice deep dive in our number two on the World Cup, which that gets started in less than seven days out there in Qatar. So we're going to give you guys a little bit of a nice outlook there. We're going to be hitting some NBA, college basketball. So we've got a little bit of everything. And Starts with the guests in 15 minutes. Mark Drummeller, he does a great job over at Yahoo Sports. He's going to be joining me. We're also going to be talking some UFC. So it's pretty much every sport that you can bet on that is being hit tonight. We're going to be talking some NFL and some UFC with him. Here, number one. And our number two, we are going to be joined by Josh Ricker along with Anthony DeBundo over at there at Action Network. They're going to give us everything that we need to know about the World Cup. Taking a look at just the lay of the land in Qatar because... Typically, the World Cup goes on during the summertime, which is why it's going to be very, very strange to see this and just everything that comes along with it. reason why they can't play the World Cup in Qatar during the normal summer months is that it's north of 120 degrees out there. You think it's bad out here in Las Vegas. It's very, very miserably hot in Qatar. So that's why they have it now in November and December this year. So we're going to be getting the lay of the land there. Some futures picks for you guys. What to take a look at in the group stage. And then our number three, Scott Reichel. Does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's going to be joining me to talk a little NBA. We're going to be having him talk a little bit of football as well, college and pro. So we've got a little bit of everything covered tonight and what just happened a few few minutes ago. That's what we've got to cover right now as Gonzaga. They get rolled by Texas as the Longhorns. They are able to get this win by kind of 93-74 to and I'm not necessarily surprised that Texas was able to win this game. I felt like they should have been the favorite. They certainly proved that on this site. I think the most surprising part of this was the way that they were able to do so. Because with Texas, they're very much a defense-oriented team. When it comes to Chris Beard, his teams are never going to go out there. They're never going to be a team that is playing at like warp speed or anything like that. But they had a very hot shooting night. One that I don't think that they're going to be duplicating all the time. But that said, Gonzaga... You have a little bit of worry now with them. They lost that exhibition game against Tennessee. I don't put a lot into exhibition matchups. They then win that game by one point against a Michigan State team that we discovered on Tuesday that they might be a little bit for real as well. But with Texas, all the credit in the world to what you were able to get out of Tyrese Hunter. Tyrese Hunter, by the way, a guy that last season shot in the neighborhood about 25 26% from three-point range. He goes five of eight from distance, 26 points. Do I anticipate him going out and shooting five of eight from three-point range on a night-in-night-out basis? Absolutely not, but what I absolutely do expect is for Texas to be a force moving forward, and I think that this is a case where we don't want to be trashing Gonzaga too much. I know that there's going to be a lot of reactions being like, oh, Gonzaga overrated again. 
Gonzaga's not going to be able to win a title. When are they going to win a title? Because as we know, it's so easy to win a title. That's why the Big Ten doesn't have a title since 2000. The Pac-12 doesn't have one since 1997. They're able to go down the list of teams that they have not been able to get it done, making a title run two out of six years is pretty darn impressive when you're a school in the WCC based out in Spokane, Washington. But that said, I think the Flowers do have to go to Texas, a team that they had a lot of transfers come in last offseason. This offseason, much more, shall we say, on, on par, not a lot of movement. They brought in Serge Bari Rice from New Mexico State. They bring in a few freshmen, but they really didn't move a lot of parts. And this is why in college basketball, even with the transfer portal, you got to take a look at how these guys are going to be able to meld together. And when it comes to college basketball, the biggest leap that you always see is from year number one to year number two. I know that we always love to fall in love with these teams that it's like, oh boy, they've got like 500 seniors on their team. They have all these guys have been in the program for a very, very long time. What you want to take a look at is, all right, these guys that were in the program year number one, how much better do they get in year number two? And it looks like for Texas, it's significantly better. The bigger reason why I really didn't buy into Texas at any point last season is because that guy in Marcus Carr is a very ball-dominant guy, and I felt like year number one for him in a Chris Beard style, he probably wasn't going to be able to get acclimated to everything, and things were going to be disjointed. Guess what? He wasn't able to get acclimated to things. Things were completely disjointed. Texas had a lot of talent. They were never able to put it together. Now that things are completely disjointed, things are coming together for them. They look very solid. They've got a lot of different guys they're able to take a look at. A versatile player and someone like a Timmy Allen is someone that's very solid. And he had just two points in this game, by the way. So that makes it all the more dangerous for this Texas team. And with Texas, I think we do need to be taking a look at them as a title contender right up there with a team like Baylor out there in the Big 12. I think that they are going to be challenging for this Big 12 title. And on top of that, when you see something like this from Texas, it points you in the direction of this is going to be a team that's going to have different ways of being able to win. And I think that that's so important when it comes to any sport, like in the NFL, we want to be taking a look at teams that even if you have an off day from insert your star quarterback here, that you have enough of a ground game to be able to get it done. You have enough of a defense to be able to back you up. If you don't have Patrick Mahomes throwing for three touchdowns, if Aaron Rodgers has nothing to be able to utilize in green Bay, if Tom Brady throws an interception or two, and that is so important with these teams. And in college basketball, that is important with Texas as well because you know that they're not going to be able to shoot this ball from three-point range all the time, but you know that the defensive fight is going to be there for them. And, I mean, they won this game by 19 points despite the fact that Gonzaga went 9 of 19 from three-point range. Now, that 9 of 19 from three-point range comes with 20, count them, 20 turnovers. And the biggest question I did have for this Gonzaga team is what were you going to be able to get in terms of facilitation? Because as we know, Andrew Nemhart last few seasons has done a nice job of being able to help give this offense some flow, just be able to get guys like a Julian Strother, like a Rashir Bolton, good open looks. And that seems to be missing right now for Gonzaga. And that's something that I felt like went a little bit under the radar. And you always have to give credit where credit is due. When a team, the first time around, they go awry, but they're able to fix it the second time. And by that, I mean these two teams played in Spokane last season. Texas lost that game by pretty much its very margin. I think it might have actually been 19. might have been a little bit more than 19, but it was a game that was somewhere in this neighborhood. And in that game, I fondly remember Drew Timmy just completely eat, ate the lunch and supper of Texas. He had 37 points. He was able to do an absolutely amazing job. In this game, he did have 18 points, but he also coupled that with five turnovers. And 
guy that is not necessarily the most stout down low. He did not have necessarily the world's greatest night as you did have a freshman that was a little bit under the radar coming into the season in Dylan Mitchell to a solid job. He was able to put up some nice numbers, eight points, nine rebounds. I liked what I saw out of him. And this is just something that you want to take a look at in college basketball in general, because with all these teams, you always make your prognostications and on some of them, you're going to be right on some of them. You're going to be wrong. That's why in college basketball, just about trying to get more right than you do wrong. 52.38%. As we know in sports betting, if you're laying the minus 110 spread, if you're laying more than minus 110, less than minus 110, that's going to vary, but that is a break-even point. You just want to be able to bet above that 52.38% if you're laying the minus 110. That is what is so important. And to if you take a few losses early on this season because there's no way you're going to be able to be on point with all 363 teams. You can put on all the effort that you want. You can do all the research that you want. The next person to get 363 teams correct in terms of a prognostication is going to be the first person ever. And that speaks for everyone in terms of betters and just general analysts. So I think that that's important to keep in mind. But the biggest thing is when you do maybe underrate a team a little bit, like I'll admit, I underrated Texas a little bit coming into the season. If you overrate a team a little bit, like Florida State, who has went 0-3, losing to Troy the Stetson Hatters, which shout out to the Stetson Hatters. They were able to pull off a nice win in that one. And Central Florida, you got to make sure, all right, the corrections need to be made. I have data points now, and now I have to drop them. And at the same time, because you have one bad data point, you don't want to just immediately take a team from being like, oh, I like them in the top 25. Now, all of a sudden, they are down there with our good friend Chicago State. By the way, Chicago State. They won at home against Valparaiso as an underdog. So anyone that was bold enough to take the Cougars with me, that was a very nice win. So I do like to see that. But you've got teams that are forming themselves a little bit differently this season. you got some teams that are the same old, same old as well. I do think that that all needs to be taken into account because we are noticing a few teams in college basketball right now that they have reversed their style. Take, for instance, South Dakota State now. South Dakota State, this is a little bit of an example of just the teams that they have played in general. But South Dakota State right now, they have been able to break the 68-point plateau once in their four games this season. As we know, they were a team that was rambunctious from three-point range, able, able to bury all those shots. The only reason why they were able to break 68 points in the game that they did, by the way, is because the game went to, I believe, double overtime against Akron. But I also have to keep in mind as well, who did you play against? So there's always two prongs to it. You don't want to just take a look at the raw numbers, but you want to take a look at sort of the meaning behind those numbers. And for South Dakota State, guess who they played thus far this season? Akron, really, really slow team. Boise State, really, really slow team. St. Bonaventure, really, really slow team. Arkansas is an up-tempo team, but as we know with Arkansas, who they were able to backdoor tonight, if you took 15 and a half with South Dakota State, you got a very, very big miracle there late on a three, but... That said, with South Dakota State, they've played against three teams that are super-duper slow in Arkansas. They are known for playing the good old 40 minutes of H-E double hockey six style under the must bus. So I do think that taking a look at just the context of everything is so important. Don't make overreactions, but at the same time, don't be stubborn with your numbers as well, which it almost feels like you're talking out of your mouth in both sides, but... What it technically means is be a rational human being. Keep everything into account. Don't completely write anything off. And at the same time, don't let anything be an end-all, be-all. And I think that that's actually a really good 
life lesson as well for all of us out there. And we always get that in college basketball. What we always get whenever Mark Drummeller joins this show is absolutely terrific content. He does a great job over at Yahoo Sports. Coming up next, we're going to be talking a lot of NFL, and we're going to be talking a little bit of UFC with him later on in the hour as well. That's up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Watch football with a little bit more on the line by playing for free in the Guinness Time Challenge. Just visit DraftKings.com slash Guinness, set your lineup, and watch the action unfold as you play for your share of $115,000 all season long, Guinness made of more terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions. They do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We're back here on the Great Peterson Experience. I'm Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Great to be joined by our guest as Mark Drummeller. He does absolutely amazing work over there at Yahoo Sports. Taking a look at the great game of football. Also taking a look at the UFC as well. Mark, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. I love coming on here and talking ball. It's, uh, season's going fast, but we still got a lot of work to do. Oh, absolutely. It is a season that is going faster than we'd like as we're down already to week number 11. Most of these scenes, they have passed a halfway point in terms of games played. And I tell you right now, this is a Green Bay Packers team that is still a little bit hard to figure out. Right now, they're going to be a, about a three to three and a half point favorite against the Titans as it's pretty much a 50-50 split within the market with a total of 41. What do you make out of the Green Bay Packers? Because there's part of me that thinks, man, what we saw last week against the Cowboys, it's a turning point. There's another part of me that thinks that it might be a little bit of a flash in the pan going up against the Titans team that they've been able to do a very solid job of just living up to the moniker of just win, baby. Yeah, I mean, these two teams, you know, very opposite in a lot of ways. When you look at it, you know, the Packers, did they turn the corner, you know, last week against the Cowboys? I'm not so sure. I mean, this is a team that's dropped five straight games in the favorite role, right? And now here we go. They're laying a field goal to Mike Vrabel, who has been just like ripping everybody's power ratings to shreds for the past two years. I mean, he defies all the odds. Um, eight and four, dating back to last year as an underdog straight up on the money line, right? So, you know, wins 67% of the games as an underdog. Um, when they take the field and he's getting points here and against the green Bay defense that really struggles to stop the run. But um, I, I think that we're going to be in for two teams really trying to run the ball. We saw green Bay establish the run against Dallas, you know, really went run heavy with Aaron Jones. I think they're going to try that. I don't think they're going to have as much success doing that. Um, but I think, you know, it'll be a close, low scoring game. And I think the difference is both these defenses very good on third downs, Tennessee first in the NFL, uh, Green Bay third in the NFL. And I think we're going to see a lot of that because of the pace of the game, the way these teams want to run. And I just have more confidence in Aaron Rodgers getting it done at home in these high leverage situations. One of the areas you can really attack the Titans defense is with your running backs out of the backfield. Um, they let up, I think, this second most completions, the running backs this season. So could be a big game for Aaron Jones. I think you're seeing the Green Bay offense kind of hit their stride now. Rodgers is comfortable with Christian Watson and the younger receivers. And I think they come out of here with a W. I, I like Green Bay as the side. I, I think total perspective, I would lead to the under. But it's going to be a real fascinating game because Mike Vrabel in the underdog role is always a lot of fun to watch. Yep, it always is fun to be able to take a look at Mike Vrabel as well. And 
I can tell you right now, if we see another under in Thursday Night Football, would be very par for the course for what we've seen this season on Thursday Night Football. I see a nice little Eagles L helmet in the background, and that means that we've got to take a look at this game because it is the Eagles and the Colts. And this was a number that was at 6F when I was doing the show yesterday. We're seeing mostly 7s now. You've got a few 6.5s remaining in the market, but this is going to 7 in a lot of spots. And it is a move that I agree with. At 7, it will be a little bit more of a stay away for me. At 6, 6.5, what have you, anything below a touchdown, I'd be taking a look at the Eagles personally with the Indianapolis Colts. Good on Jeff Saturday for being able to get the win. Good on him for being able to silence those critics. With that said, I don't know how much of the new car smell of Jeff Saturday is going to be lasting. And with the Philadelphia Eagles, I do think that they're going to be a little bit ticked off about what happened against Washington. Yeah, I think this is a good bounce back spot for Philadelphia. And there's a lot of things that kind of play into the matchup here. Um, You know, first, I think some people saw the game against Washington, saw the way Washington controlled time of possession. And just feels like Jeff Saturday is going to dial up that same recipe and have success. I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, the Eagles went into that game light on their defensive front. Um, you know, they went outside Linville Joseph. They get some depth. You know, Fletcher Cox played 70 snaps, highest in his career in that game. So they went in there a little light. They paid the price. They're going to make some adjustments. And I think they'll be able to slow down the Colts running game a little bit. And, you know, Matt Ryan. It's just going to be a sitting duck back there. The Eagles are fourth in the NFL in pass rush win rate. We have saw what they did against bad offensive lines. You know, last time they played Washington, they sacked Carson Wentz nine times. So they can get after the quarterback, and that's an area where Indianapolis has struggled, you know, especially when Matt Ryan has been the quarterback, is really protecting them. They let up the most sacks in the NFL tied with Chicago. So the offensive line is an area I think the Eagles can exploit here. Um, And I think on the other side of the ball, you know, Jalen Hurts, they'll get that offense going. So um, I like them. Obviously, you want to try and see if you can get it under the key number. Might not be available anymore, but I definitely think the Eagles are the side here. And we already talked about one primetime game in terms of that Packers versus Titans game that we're going to be seeing on Thursday. But how about if we go to the last game of the week? Because I think that this one is very fascinating. It's in the Aztec Stadium, or if you want to go Spanish here, Estadio Azteca. But you've got... The San Francisco 49ers, they're going to be playing against the Arizona Cardinals. Technically, it should be a Cardinals home game. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be getting north of 50% of the fans in this one. That is very safe to say, in my opinion. But we've seen the 49ers get steamed up. They, on the look at line, were more around a 5.5 to a 6-point favorite. This is up to 8. Trollon's game is 43.5. Precarious spot, because we don't know if Kyler Murray is going to play or if it's going to be Colt McCoy. Two very different quarterbacks. I don't think the results are going to be necessarily too different with one or another that plays, but the style certainly is going to be very different. And for the 49ers, they've got a lot of weapons. I feel like the question is, can they put them all together to be able to make that run in the postseason like many people are expecting? Yeah, I think that's the key. And, you know, the addition of Christian McCaffrey really, you know, not only rounds out the offense, but rounds out the team, right? It helps them complement that defense. Uh, You know, since they made that trade, they're in the top six in both EPA per play and offensive success rate. Um, So I think they're going to continue to have success offensively, especially against the bad Cardinals defense um, in this matchup. And on the other side of the ball, you know, they they've allowed San Francisco the fewest yards per game in the NFL. That defensive front has caused havoc for teams and they're running up against the Cardinals offensive line. It's banged up. They're going through a ton of injuries. Again, we don't know the status of Kyler Murray or whether it's going to be Colt McCoy, but against that 49ers defensive front, I don't think it's going to matter much. 
Um, I think they're going to be able to hold the Cardinals to a low total. Um, and like I said, I think they can, you know, put up enough points here to comfortably win. If you look at San Francisco, the five games that they won this year, you know, the eight seems like a big, big number. And, you know, uh, favorites above seven points have really struggled this year as a whole. But San Francisco, the five games that they won, their average margin of victory is 20 points. That game last week against the Chargers, where they only won by six, that was the smallest margin on the season that they won a game. So I'm comfortable laying the eight points here. I think the Niners roll. Um, this one's going to be a route, but you know it'll be a lot of fun for the uh, the local crowd there. And that's such a good point that you bring up about the margin of victory that we're seeing in terms of the San Francisco 49ers, a little bit of an all-or-nothing team. And the game that we saw against the Chargers, if you don't have that Elijah Mitchell slip, that is going to be another one that you'd be able to put into the double-digit win category. This one, I find to be one of the most interesting handicap spots ever. It's whether or not you want to trust your eyes or if you want to trust in really the advanced analytics. That's the Giants and the Detroit Lions. Very rarely do we see a team that's 7-2 like the Giants going up against a sub-500 team at home be only a three-point favorite because typically you get three points for home field. So they're saying on a neutral field, this is essentially a pick between the Giants and the Lions. Tolan's game is anywhere between 44.5 and 45. Are the Giants as good as a record? I think that we probably both agree no, but this just feels really, really disrespectful against a Lions team that other than that game against the Packers where Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions within the 30-yard line, they have done nothing all season long. And even with Danny Dimes out there, I'd be willing to trust the Giants just because they're so much better coached, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that really comes down to it is, you know, we can we can look at our power ratings and see that the Giants aren't as good as they you know, uh, the record shows they are. But, you know, they, they do f- make good decisions at the end of games. They find ways to wins and are having confidence that they can close out games. And that's something Detroit can't do. They got that comeback win. But, you know, it, the, really at the end of game has been a real problem for the Lions this year. Uh, Giants are 7-2 and two against the spread. The Lions are allowing 30 points a game this year. So, I mean, the defense is really bad, 26th against the run. So I think, you know, the Giants here, you know, are really going to be able to line up, run the ball with Barkley, do what they want to do offensively. And it's going to be, you know, the onus is going to be on Detroit to catch up. And we just seen the Lions time and time again make a ton of mistakes. I just think that this number is light here. Uh, You know, the Giants, again, not as good as their record shows, but this is taking it a little too far. You know, Detroit, not much of a home field advantage, I don't feel like, Uh, you know, and just a, a team that, really hasn't figured out how to win consistently in this league yet. And I, I think, you know, when it gets to the end of the game, that kind of stuff makes a difference. So I'm willing to lay the three points with the Giants here. Um, I think they come away with the victory and, uh, you know, over the Lions. I completely agree with you there. I do think that three is just a little bit too much disrespect for the uh, for the New York Giants. So we are in lockstep on that one. And coming up next, we're going to be rejoined by Mark. We're going to be taking a look at a few more NFL plays, diving into some college basketball. And I know he's got a UFC pick for this weekend as well. That's up next right here. I'm Greg Peterson, Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is presented by Zinnicotine Pouches, which is the surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, there's a lot of nicotine products out there that can be either too complicated to use or don't provide the satisfaction that you're looking for, but Zinnicotine Pouches might surprise you because Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is completely tobacco leaf free. Plus, 
It offers one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Buy Zinnicotine online or find a store that is nearest you at Zinn.com. That is ZYN.com today. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine. It is an addictive chemical. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Being rejoined by Mark Drummiller does great work over at Yahoo Sports. Taking a look at not just the NFL, but we're going to hit a little bit of UFC at the end of this segment as well. We've got one last NFL game to take a look at before we go to college. This will be the Chicago-Atlanta game. Half of books I'm seeing of this as Atlanta being a three-point favorite. I'm seeing a couple straight three-and-a-halves come onto the board as well. Total on this game is anywhere between 48-and-a-half and 49-and-a-half. I think the biggest question I have is how for real is what we're seeing with Justin Fields and can the defense provide anything whatsoever? Because at this point, I think the better quarterback is on the side of the Bears, but it comes down to how much better is the rest of the Atlanta Falcons versus the rest of the Chicago Bears because they really strip things down bare bones when it comes to that Bears roster. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, defensively, the Bears have a lot of problems, but, you know, Justin Fields has made a huge impact. You know, once he decided to kind of just um, you know, kind of weaponize his mobility and really unleash, you know, the rushing game, uh, you know, in Chicago. And I think that's made a huge difference since week seven. Um, they've averaged 31 points a game, you know, which is a huge number considering how poor of an offense they were before that. He's really given them an identity. And, you know, that's the key here. He goes up against an Atlanta defense that just got trucked for 232 rushing yards by Carolina. And, you know, listen, I'm not here to sell you that, like, Chicago's this emerging great team because, you know, they are what they are, right? They just lost to the Lions. They blew a 14-point fourth-quarter lead. But, um, you know, Atlanta has no, uh, you know, reason to lay points here. Like, laying points with Atlanta, they're 0-2 as a favorite this year. I backed Carolina. They played Carolina the both games, uh, the only two games of the year that they were favorites. I backed Carolina both those games. Um, ended up getting the push in the three-point game and then, you know, ended up, you know, Carolina getting the win outright. And and that's kind of the key. I have to take the points here with Chicago because Atlanta, you know, really poor rushing defense. Chicago is going to be able to run the ball here. Um, you know, I, I just don't see how you can lay points with Atlanta. So I'm happy to take Chicago as the side here. I think it's going to be kind of like, you know, a back-and-forth game. But I just think that the Bears' offense um, has enough to kind of pull away in this matchup. And I didn't plan it out this way, but we're running the Illinois special here because we're going to lead off college football by taking a look at, well, Illinois versus Michigan, a line that we're seeing right around between 17 and a half and 18 points with Michigan laying it. And it is a rock low total. It's right around 40 and a half, couple straight 41s out there as well. Where do you stand on this game? Because with Illinois, I think that they're going to have a very tough time scoring, but they've done a solid job on defense, and I think that's the biggest question with this game. Is Michigan able to score enough to be able to cover this number? Yeah, and I guess the question is, will they want to, right? So we have to look at a big look-ahead spot for Michigan with the Buckeyes on deck. So, you know, what is their, you know, motivation coming into this? Do they want to just handle business and and get out of there? You know, Michigan's a team that has struggled early in the first half in some games. They struggled early against Michigan State, you know, really didn't pull away. Uh, Rutgers, you know, they were playing with their food against Rutgers, you know, almost ended up losing by halftime. So um, that's why I think like a solid play here. I got plus 10 in the first half with Illinois, um, and I think they can keep it close at least in in the first half in this matchup. You look at both teams, you know, this is going to be your Big Ten classic game, right? They're going to pound the ball into each other's defensive fronts. 
Both defenses very solid against the run. So I think you're going to see, you know, a running clock, um, you know, shortened possessions, kind of shorten the game. So I, I think the total um, at 40 and a half is low, but I think that this is a game that probably goes under. Like if I were to play play the total, I would definitely play it under because I think you're going to see, you know, Michigan get out to a little bit of a lead, you know, late in the third quarter or whatever, and then kind of call off the dogs, you know, and prepare for next week against Ohio State. They want to be healthy. That's the real key. So um, I like Illinois first half plus 10 if you can get it. If you can't, I think you can play the under still at 40 and a half. I think that that's a very smart way of being able to take a look at things because that is going to be a big game that we're going to be seeing next week between Michigan and Ohio State. And if Ohio State subs their toe, that would be very, very shocking. I think that both teams should be able to get the job done there. Will this team be able to get the job done? That would be Washington State. They're on the road. They're facing off against Arizona. Arizona, a four-point underdog. With Arizona, give them credit. Spirited effort last week against UCLA. That said, this is also a team that has allowed at least 45 points in four out of the last five weeks. Tallinn's game is anywhere between 62.5 and 63, which, honestly, I like the over a little bit with how bad Arizona's been on defense, but how solid they've been on offense. But where do you stand in terms of side? Because I personally have not played this one, and this is a game where... I feel like Washington State should be able to cover it, but feels like with Washington, they can be a little bit inconsistent on the offensive side of things. Yeah, they absolutely can. But, you know, I think they'll be able to move the ball against this Wildcats defense. Um, you know, they're secondary, bottom five in, in the country, right? And, you know, the way Washington State moves the ball with Cam Ward, they can use his mobility, but it's also quick, short passes, right? And then it's yards after the catch, and that's how they really get it done. So I think they can consistently string together drives because they're not going to get much resistance from Arizona. Um, and I think, you know, there is going to be a little bit of a letdown with Arizona. Huge win against UCLA, right? And, you know, they that was their signature win of this season. That was what they want to kind of build. On and it's hard to kind of get up at this time of the season after that. I think on defense, I think you know Wazoo can can obviously shut down the Arizona running game and really force Delora into kind of you know being one dimensional and maybe you know kind of force them into some turnovers. Like I just really think that we could see you know Arizona run out of gas here, a little bit sloppy, and Wazoo in perfect place to take advantage of it. But I really like the fact that. You know, with Cam Ward, I think Wazoo is going to be able to continually score um, and get up and down the field. So I like Washington State here. I think they can get the job done. I think the number is a little short at four. So, um, you know, was happy to play it. But I, I do think you're correct. I think we're in for a lot of points. And I, I just think that could turn into, you know, a lot of turnovers for the Wildcats that uh, Washington State can take advantage of. I agree with you. And if we got a little bit more time, I know that you've got an extra college football player, too, that – you are taking a look at, but that said, I know that you do a great job on the front of UFC as well. Not quite as big of a card as we saw last week, but that said, it's a relatively solid card. We've got the big Spivak versus Lewis fight that is going to be going down. We've got quite a few good fights that are going to be going down on fight night. Take me through what you all like, whether it be maybe an undercard fight or two or what you do like in the main event. Yeah, so I bet the main event, and I did bet um, Sergey Spivak. Uh, you know, I got him at like minus one ninety. I think you can get him. Also, I played a little bit of inside the distance, and you know, Derek Lewis is one of the most fun heavyweights to watch. You know, we've watched him over the years, and just one punch knockout power. He's never out of the fight, right? You know, very entertaining fighter, um, and you know, he can he can really take advantage if you leave yourself open defensively. But I think Spivak in this matchup 
really good grappler. And I think he's really going to be able to kind of avoid that big shot. Like I think he has enough, um, you know, grappling skills to where he can get in inside on Lewis. It's not like he has to shoot like a wrestler does. Like, I think he can kind of work the clinch a little bit, get inside on Lewis, get this to the ground. And once he does, once he does, I think, you know, Lewis is going to be really overmatched here because Spivak's not a guy who, like I said, is just going to like get you to the ground and kind of lay on you. He has finishing ability. He has submissions, you know, he's choked out Dewey Vasa, um, you know, has some really good, you know, wins under his belt. And I think if he gets this fight to the ground, I think Lewis is going to have a hard time getting up without being submitted. So um, again, I, I don't think this is going to be a long fight. Heavyweight fights usually aren't. So that's why I think inside the distance is a good play. You know, Lewis, as much as we like him, he's gotten finished in three of his last four fights. This might be a little bit of the end of the road for him. Um, obviously, you know, when you have knockout power like that, you know, you can stay in the game pretty long, but he just seems to be kind of, you know, on the wrong side of his career. And I think Spivak's a guy who who can kind of stay out of danger, get this to the ground and, and submit him. So um, I like Spivak. I played him on the money line, played him a little bit inside the distance as well. And then we've got about 45 seconds here. I know they've got a little bit of something in terms of the battle for LA, USC versus UCLA with USC being a two and a half point favorite. Take me through what you all like in terms of this Pac-12 matchup. Yeah, lots of points, right? That's what we're going to see, Pac-12. Um, you know, I like UCLA here. I just, this USC team, I'm not sure if all this recognition is warranted. You go up and down their schedule every single game, and I can't find a win that I was like, wow, they're really impressive in. Now, you're not trying to be funny. Like, was it Corvallis? Like, was that their signature win this year? Because uh, I just haven't seen it. And, you know, that rush defense, is pretty bad. I think Zach Charbonnet could run for 200 yards on them. I think that's what UCLA does well. And I just don't have confidence in the USC defense here. So I think UCLA can outscore them. Um, so if I get them with a couple points, I'm going to take them, especially at home. Absolutely. And Mark, you do an absolutely amazing job over there. At Yahoo Sports do appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always great to have Mark Dremeller aboard. And coming up next, it is that time that I give you a little bit of a look at Thursday Night Football right here on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Lace up your cleats with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook with the latest odds, lines, and boosts. Bet Rivers is your go to for any soccer related content. Check out Bet Rivers' special World Cup promotions like our World Cup futures, insurance bets, and World Cup daily bet and gets. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is calling all soccer fans now. Head on over to betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app to get in on all the match day action as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. It is always a pleasure to be joined by Mark Drummeller. Does great work over there at Yahoo Sports. Big thanks to him for joining me in the last two segments. We're going to have a lot of college basketball coming up for you. A little bit more in hour number two, but I want to give you guys my thoughts in terms of what we're going to be seeing on Thursday Night Football. It's going to be a very, very fascinating game, to say the least, and a game of which finds the Green Bay Packers in a lot of spots as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Still seeing some threes out there as well. Total pretty much across the board. It is a 41, and we talked about this a little bit earlier with Mark, but I'm going to be on the opposite side with him, especially with this being a three and a half. And as a matter of fact, if we see a contest line, because typically I am someone that 
never really takes a Thursday night football game unless if I see something that I really, really like in terms of the Circa Millions, the Westgate Super Contest, what have you. I'm in the Circa Millions only this season. But that said, if they spit out a number of three and a half, I'll probably turn in my card early because I do like the Tennessee Titans team. I think that the Green Bay Packers are getting just way too much hoopla based on one good, I'm not even going to go out game, one good quarter that we saw against the Dallas Cowboys where the offense was able to wake up, pair of touchdowns to Christian Watson in that quarter, three in total for the game, and all of a sudden a lot of people are thinking, oh, the Green Bay Packers are back, they're going to run the table and make the playoffs. Eh, no. This is a Titans team that has been able to do a very solid job in terms of their defense, giving up 22 points or fewer in all but one game thus far this season. This total is very, very warranted. And I just mentioned that stat with the with the Tennessee Titans. Team total for the Green Bay Packers that I'm seeing right now is 22 and a half. And that to me just doesn't really make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I think that this is a team total that is set too high on the Green Bay Packers. So I do like it under and you're looking at player props. I like, guess what? Whole bunch of unders. I'm right now taking a look at Aaron Rodgers to have one and a half passing touchdowns. That is certainly going to be an under, in my opinion. Now, I don't know if I could take the plus 160 on him throwing an interception because I do think that this could be another game where there's just going to be a whole bunch of carries for the running back. So if you're looking a little bit more for and over, you probably want to take a look at it in terms of rush attempts. And one that I'm taking a look at right now in terms of an over in this game, that'd be Derrick Henry in terms of his rushing attempts. I'm right now finding it at a 21 and a half. And I think that the Titans... They're going to be running the ball just time and time again. Even if they get down in this game, I think that the Tennessee Titans are going to be sticking with the ground game. And what we saw in the Packers win against the Dallas Cowboys, guess what Aaron Rodgers didn't do? Aaron Rodgers didn't throw the ball very much at all. As a matter of fact, I think that two-thirds of the plays that we saw in that game against the Dallas Cowboys, it was the ground game. Even when the Packers were down, they stuck with A.J. Dillon. They also stuck with Aaron Jones. They just went run, 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 and I think that that's the way that you take a look at it really on both sides because with Derrick Henry, he's already gotten north of 200 carries this season. I recognize that the last two weeks he had 19 and 17 carries respectively, but I do think that they're going to be looking to control the ball quite a bit. This is someone in Derrick Henry that prior to this run, he had 22-plus carries in each out of the previous four weeks, so I do think that it's a Titans team that they're going to stay committed to the ground game. I think that they're going to give them a whole bunch of carries, so I do like that total over just in terms of the actual carries itself. Now you're seeing with Derrick Henry, like I said, the number is 21 and a half, but I think that this is going to be a game of sloppy, sloppy, sloppy play, and let's call it what it is. If you put these two coaches in a matchup, who would you rather have, Matt LaFleur or Mike Vrabel? Mike Vrabel gets the vote for me, and honestly, Mike Vrabel at the current moment, now, not saying for the entirety of their career or anything like that, but at the current moment, if you wanted one guy to coach up your team, I'd personally go with Mike Vrabel. With the way that he's been able to do a great job with his defense, the way that his teams are always so sound, they're not beating themselves, I think that that is very, very important to take a look at. They just do the little things right, which is something that sometimes gets lost in this day and age, and I do think that they're going to be able to do so once again here now with the Tennessee Titans. They have been a team that had a little bit of a tough time on third down, so I do think that that's going to lead to a lot of three and outs, and thus I do think that you're going to be seeing a whole bunch of punts in this game. I do think that it's going to be very bare bones, to say the least, with the Green Bay Packers. I was expecting a little bit more out of this defense, but you know what? 
I will know that a lot of people, they want to poo-poo the defense and everything like that. It's not been terrible. It's been far from amazing. There's no question about it, but the defense has been able to generate seven interceptions this year. It's nothing amazing. It's nothing terrible. And I do think that for the Green Bay Packers, they're still going to be able to get a little bit up front. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Rayshon Gary. And that said, I do also think that in terms of the Tennessee Titans, they're going to be able to get a rush up front as the Green Bay Packers. They've just been dealing with offensive line issues all season long. They've been dealing with those ailments. Uh, do want to be taking note there as David Bakhtiari is questionable once again. And even if he does play, probably not going to be quite his old David Bakhtiari self. Now, good news for the Green Bay Packers is that other than the Gary injury that I was mentioning a little bit earlier, I mean, you've got Devondre Campbell who's dealing with a bit of an injury. That's something for the team, but they're relatively close to full staff. So you can feel pretty good about that. And for the Tennessee Titans, this is a team that they come in with a few injuries. Bud Dupree, he's going to be out for this one along with Amani Hooker. That's not too terrific. We saw them deal with those injuries last week, though, as well. And you know what the Tennessee Titans did? They came out and they completely dominated the Denver Broncos. Now, even with Aaron Rodgers having a down year, this is still a better offense than the Denver Broncos. And let's call it what it is. You can think how you do how you want about either Mike Vrabel or Matt LaFleur. There's no fans or buts about it. The Titans were going up against the worst coach team in the NFL last week. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett should not have a job right now. He should have never been hired in the first place. Only reason why he has a job is because, ironically enough, the Broncos were wanting Aaron Rodgers, came up snake eyes there, and they just wound up getting left pretty much holding the bag at the end of the day, and that was very, very sad for them, but... I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Green Bay Packers are going to be playing yet another under. They played an over against the Dallas Cowboys. I think that that was more an anomaly than anything else. I think that we go back to the Green Bay Packers being just a relatively solid under team. Very nearly two-thirds of primetime games this season have went under the total in the NFL. Right around 59% of games overall in the NFL have went under. So everything points to the under for me. The two main player props I've got right now is Derrick Henry over 21 and a half rush attempts, Aaron Rodgers under one and a half passing touchdowns. Along with that, I do have the Titans getting three and a half points and the under in the spot as well. Honestly, if you're looking to be able to get a little bit of plus money bet, the money line, I don't think is necessarily the world's worst play either. I personally am going to play it safe, taking the points. And like I said, if this is going to be the contest line that we get, I would greatly consider just turning in my card early, being like, you know what? We should go with it, and I recognize that you do lose a little bit in terms of being able to get more injury intel, being able to see the way that the line moves by turning it in early. I think that it's worth it in this case because I do like getting the points with the Tennessee Titans in this spot. And you know what? We're going to make the Tennessee to Tennessee connection. I'll give you guys here about a 90-second breakdown for this college basketball game. This is one that isn't up in a lot of books, but you're going to be seeing it up in the AM. We're starting to get some numbers on it. 306-553, 306-554. It's the last game on the college basketball card. So this is going to be going on in Packers versus Titans. If you get bored of this, of the Packers versus Titans, if it's really low scoring like I projected, hey, you can switch over to Cobb State against Tennessee Tech with Cobb State being a three and a half point favorite. Total on this game is between 147 and 147 and a half. Huddle around the kids if you want to see some scoring because you're going to see a whole lot more in this game than you are going to be in that Packers versus Titans game. I set my total to 148. I'm looking over. Compensate the last two seasons under Juan Dixon. Yes, that Juan Dixon. 
from Maryland fame. They have ranked in the top 10 in terms of total possessions per game, and they've got a guy that's able to fill it up in Sam Sessions. Average a double-figure amount of points per game with 42% three-point shooting at Penn State. He has been able to put in there over 20 points per game thus far this season, going up against a Tennessee Tech team that they lose Junior Clay, they lose Keyshawn Davidson in the backcourt, they bring in Ty Perry. He's a guy that was in the Patriot League last season. He was able to dole out three assists, 11 points per contest while he was playing for the old Lafayette Leopards. So he's able to do a nice job on that front, but with Calvin State, I do like what you're able to get out of Justin Steers down low. He's able to give you seven rebounds per game. Tennessee Tech really doesn't have any size whatsoever. Calvin State, keep in mind, they took Georgetown to overtime. They have won a few games as money line underdogs already this season. I think that they're going to be able to do it once again. I like Calvin State to be able to win this game, and I like them to be able to cover this number. Don't want to lay much more than a three and a half as I set them as a four point favorite, but. I said, willing to lay the three and a half, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. And what we're also taking a look at is my pro tip for this hour. Beeson.com slash subscribe. You're able to sort these by show and by sport. And the pro tip for hour number one of the Greg Peterson experience, don't overreact and fire in on a bunch of college basketball futures just because of one or two games. I know that there's going to be a lot of hype around Texas. That number is going to fall. So if you want to take a little bit of a position, eh, maybe. But with that said, you don't want to be just reacting to one game, and then the team goes down the toilet bowl from there. Something that we hope to not go down the toilet bowl, the DK Nation pick. We're going to be giving that to you next, right here on VEASAN, the Esports Bank Network. Check out the VEASAN store for the latest and greatest in sports betting fashion. We have more than 40 shirt designs, including our most popular one, Cash and Tickets is what it's all about. You'll find VEASAN shirts and hats for any occasion. And they're all made to order, so you can find the right to order, so you can find the right to order, so you can find the right to order, so you can. 